Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring The Michael McCoy Show. Another week, another episode of The Michael McCoy Show here on SiriusXM Channel 145 Slam Radio. I'm your host, Mike McCoy. I hope everyone has had a great weekend and is having an even better start to their week. It is Monday, November 16, 2020. And by the way, can you believe that next week is Thanksgiving? It's my favorite holiday of the year. Crazy. Wow. But we're here, we're back, and we're ready to talk about the weekend sports. As always, we'll touch on the NFL. Got lots of NBA to get into. Uh, but we're gonna start this, we're gonna start this week's show with uh, college football coverage. And why not start things the way that they should be started? Talking about Miami Hurricanes football. Have a very special guest joining me today. May have heard of him, should have heard of him, especially if I'm a Hurricanes fan. Uh, does great work for the Sun Sentinel, fellow Kane, and in a few weeks I'll get to call him a fellow Kane alum. David Frurones um, is on the line with us right now, fresh off of covering that thrilling come from behind victory at Virginia Tech on Saturday afternoon. Uh, David, uh, super glad to have you on the show today. Thanks very much for your time. How are you doing today? Mike, uh, good to be on. You know, just uh, morning after as we record this uh, over here in uh, Roanoke, just outside of Blacksburg. So. I uh, got to see that thriller yesterday afternoon and, uh, you know, just in my hotel room getting uh, getting some more work done, uh, you know, day after files, uh, you know. <laughs> Thanks for uh, fitting me into your schedule, man. I saw that you posted on Instagram that it was your first time at Lane Stadium. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm guessing I didn't really get the actual experience of, of Lane Stadium. So, uh, you know, it was just a thousand people in there, which includes uh, Virginia Tech had its band and whatnot out there and, uh I guess only just complimentary tickets. They, they didn't actually sell tickets uh, for the game. So that was just um, uh, Virginia, uh, the, the Commonwealth of Virginia, as I say, the state, right. uh, you know, regulations for, for COVID. So unlike Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, where uh, the capacity was 13,000, uh, that's all they were allowed to fit into Lane Stadium. So, okay. uh, I mean, a, a cool venue, you could see that, you know, that, that it would be, especially if it was packed the way, you know, you would see for a big night game, like we've seen Miami play over there in the past. So. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that aspect of it next time yes. I go there for sure. But uh, but it was cool to, to get out there for the first time. Did they play Enter the Sandman for the for the Hokies entrance? No, you know, I don't think so. I feel like I would have caught it if they did. <laughs> and, wow. and I guess just because I, I'm not even that sure if it was or not, I, that just tells you the, the atmosphere was totally different than, yeah, yeah. than normal. So um, I'm trying. I think I might have taken a, a video of them coming out. So I'm gonna have to check that one again. But. I, yeah, I don't think so. And if they did, it wasn't memorable. So. Okay. <laughs> well, let's let's get right into that game. It's a perfect segue to talk about the game. Um, man, David, cardiac canes, call them whatever you want. They're doing a great job of finding ways to win rather than finding a way to lose. How is this team getting by? Is it uh, faith in each other, how they're supposed to have, you know, belief in, you know, their system and the brothers next to them? Is it the faith in the coaches, the system? Uh, do they just know that they have to turn it up and feel that they are the better team than what's on the other side of the on the uh, of the sideline and just need to settle down? Can you can you talk about that? What kind of feel do you get about these guys? I think a little bit of all of the above. I mean, any team that, that wins late, that's just um, how they do it. All those ways that you mentioned and um, just coming through. You know, you see it in, in different ways, whether it be uh, De'Ara King coming up with with a big touchdown strike. You see him the last two weeks. Uh, NC State going to yes. Mike Harley. And then Mark Pope this time, I mean, different receivers stepping up now, finally, yes. after we saw them struggle early in the season, uh, whether it be, you know, the defense stepping up when, when it needs to, because at NC State, they had a pretty dreadful uh, game through three quarters. Yeah. But then the fourth quarter, they were actually phenomenal. You know, three stops, it was punt, punt, interception yep. in that one. And then 
uh, only held them to six yards uh, in that fourth quarter. And then Virginia Tech, same way, late. They yeah. come up with the key stops uh, after uh, Hendon Hooker was kind of having his way at the beginning. Yes. Uh, you saw with the 53-yard touchdown run. So, uh, yeah, I mean, just everything coming together toward the end. It's just uh, you, you got to like the, the team's resiliency and the way they just decide, okay, right now it's winning time and, yeah. uh, and we have to go prove that we are the uh, number nine ranked team the way the rankings say, although some people feel it's kind of flimsy and they were even uh, underdogs going into this game. In, in right. Virginia Tech. So yeah, they, uh, they, they step up in the big moments. And that's the sign of, you know, a good team maturity. I guess you, you figure out what's wrong. You get it together. You talk to the guys, you huddle up the leaders lead. And that's the way it's supposed to be. That's part of growth. And like I said, part of maturity, but um, staying on the defense, somebody that's been, uh, a mainstay and one of the better players throughout the year on defense has been Bubba Bolden. And over the past few games, he kind of seems to have maybe, I don't want to say regressed. I don't want to say that, but just kind of not been in the same position that he has been to start the season. Um, how's he doing from what you see or what you hear? Is everything okay with him? Yeah. I mean, um, we did see him a little bit out of position in that, uh, on that Hendon Hooker 53 yard touchdown run. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was the, the last line of defense there on that side mm -hmm. at safety. And after it kind of looked like Sam Brooks got blocked out of his gap and yeah. he got to the second level, then uh, Bolden just did not offer any resistance uh, there at the end. So, um, and, and there's some other examples as well. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, early in the season, he was just uh, in all those spots. He, yeah. I, I think he was being attacked a lot more if maybe for once. So he was in position to make some plays. So maybe after the, that start and, and how many plays he made, maybe some teams are, are trying to go away from him. But, um, you know, even even uh, back then when, when Bolden was winning the uh, ACC DB of the week the first time against Louisville uh, after that game, he actually felt like he played pretty poorly, like that he was out of position on several uh -huh. plays, missed some tackles. So, uh, you know, that's just the kind of attitude that, that he approaches things with. And then now even as uh, – as his play, you know, maybe it hasn't shown the same way. I think he'll take that same approach and, and okay. he'll look to finish the season strong. Okay, okay. And that's hopefully, you know, going to be the case. Because like I said, I mean, before the season started, I made a bold, you know, prediction saying this before uh, Greg Rousseau had opted out. I felt that Bubble can be the best defender on the team, even if Rousseau did come back and play. That's just the way I felt. I thought that Rousseau was going to make his job a lot easier. But um Let's hope, let's hope that that happens because the Kansas are really going to need him uh, on the throughout the stretch run. Uh, switching gears to offense, what about Cam Cam Harris, a guy? I don't want to say that he's shown his frustration, but, I mean, he was on uh, social media a couple weeks ago talking about, you know, having to, having the need to step up and whatnot. How's his mindset going into things? Because Cheney has been playing well. Knighton has been doing well in his uh, reserve role, I guess you can say. But um, can you talk about Cam Harris and where he is mentally? Yeah, I mean, Cam Harris, uh, and you can say, yes, he, he did express his frustration. <laughs> in, a, in a tweet that was later deleted, but, uh, you know, uh, we haven't spoken to him since, but, uh, you know, Rhett Lashley uh, talked about it. He said, hey, you know, he understands. He's a passionate guy. And, yeah. um, you know, he wears his emotion on his sleeve. And, you know, at, at, in that point in time, he wanted to express his frustration on, on social media. So he did it. Um, yeah, Cam Harris, an uneven uh first half of the season it was off to a great start and then you know saw those three games uh, the clemson the pittsburgh virginia game where um the production just wasn't there I, I feel like he's kind of steadied himself the last couple of games too you know um averaging all over four yards a carry uh, in these last couple of games so uh similar stat lines like 60 yards in the 14 or 15 carry uh range 
So as Don Chaney and, and Jalen Knighton are still, uh, you know, getting theirs in, in, in their reserve role. And even as we've seen the season progress, uh, them get more like in the Virginia game um, and handle a bigger workload, then uh, he has been a, a little bit more of a steadifying presence yeah. uh, in these last two games. So it was good to see him uh, go and, and be that powerful downhill runner uh, for that touchdown, uh, plunging up the middle uh, in late in the third quarter. That was a, a key touchdown to get the Canes back in it. And then uh, also uh, early, we saw him kind of uh, spit one out, uh, get into space. So uh, it was good to see see some of those flashes from from Cam, uh, for sure. So we'll see how it uh, leads in, him into the uh, end of the season. 14 carries, 63 yards, average of exactly 4.5s, round up, let's call it a five yard to, uh, a pop, and a touchdown with a longer 15, a very important touchdown. So um, he's going to keep chugging along. Um, the Canes are going to need that running game success that they had earlier on in the year to go ahead and duplicate, you know, how the offense was humming uh, in the first couple games. Um, going back to the defense, I should have stayed on this on this side, but I'm just going off of my notes here. Blake Baker has been scrutinized, and I feel wrongfully so a lot of times by fans, especially on Twitter and what have you. Um, He's gotten a lot of heat, but his defense held Virginia Tech, a Virginia Tech rushing attack, who has one of the better runners in college football, to 177 yards below their season average. From what you've heard in press conferences and interviews, what is it that you can gather from how the defense picks it up when they need it the most? Last week against NC State, they allowed six yards in the fourth quarter. And yesterday, like I said, 177 yards uh, for Virginia Tech, you know, below their season average. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think some of the same things we mentioned earlier, just uh, defense deciding it's time to step up. You know, maybe there are some some adjustments being made. You know, whenever you see, uh, you know, a, a team pick it up in one area in the second half, you always have to look at that and and figure, okay, you know, the, these guys were exploited a little bit early, but, but made some adjustments. So uh, I, I think you certainly see that. And yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Some of the, the uh, criticism of Blake Baker is warranted. Uh, last couple of games, uh, obviously, you know, we know uh, NC State, you, you gave up 41 points at the end of the day. So, but, hey, you know, came up with the big sp- stops in the fourth quarter. And uh, and luckily, you know, the offense, uh, you know, provided, uh, held their own in, in, on their end of the shootout. So, and then uh, Virginia Tech, you know, doing what you need to do at the end. And obviously, um, Tech usually has a, a fully healthy Cleo Herbert in that running game. So, I know he was hurt by the hamstring injury. He was limited. He did play, but, you know, he only carried eight times in a, in a game where he's 100%, obviously they're gonna just work him and, and head and hooker all day long, and just pound the opponent. So, um, you know, they did have um, the other back, uh, Holston, you know, go for two touchdowns, and he was effective carrying defenders on one run to the one yard line before punching it in. Okay. So, okay. But yeah, but I mean, all in all, though, uh, yeah, you know, we see them stepping up uh, when they need to. Yeah. Absolutely, and I mean, like I said, I mean. It, that's kind of a mark of uh, Miami Hurricanes defense because you remember when in the triple option era for Georgia Tech football, which obviously wasn't too long ago, they would give Georgia Tech fits on games that Miami would beat Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech would come in rolling in, you know, nearly 300 yards of offense on the ground per game, and Miami would hold them regularly under 200 yards. It would make, you know, make it difficult for Georgia Tech to win. So I think people maybe need to stop focusing on the amounts of yards per se they give up per game and maybe focus on, you know, how much are they making their life difficult for the opposition? Because that offense can't get going without the running game. They're used to averaging, uh, what is it? Uh, almost 300 yards of offense on the ground. And, you know, that that rushing attack was was not itself yesterday. 
Um, a, lot of it, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, tempo. I mean, you play with tempo on offense, then you're not going to win the time of possession battle, uh, you know, by sometimes you still will, but uh, not by some crazy amount. Um, so, you know, we saw, like you mentioned, those Georgia Tech games, you know, sometimes you had to win with the defense just um, really dragging it out at the end after being yep. on the field for, for a lot of time. And uh, in this game, uh, they didn't have a lot of depth, especially on, on the defensive line. So, uh, yeah, you had Jalen Phillips barely coming off the field, Quincy Roche, you know, the, the guys up front, they could only rotate three D tackles uh, at the two spots, three DNs at the two spots. Right. So uh, they had to play a lot of snaps. And those are positions where you like to roll guys and keep them fresh. So that was just a luxury that Miami didn't have in this game with all the players unavailable up front. And, uh, you know, they still held their own and played their best defense as the game moved forward and got toward the end. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Good to have David Ferronis on the tube with us um, from the Sun Sentinel. Does really good work for them. We're talking about the Virginia Tech win on Saturday. And so, David, the team, in my opinion, and maybe a lot of other opinions as well, the team has been lacking a true leader on both sides of the ball for years. Every every team has a leader, per se, every year. But when I say true leader, I mean guys like Ed Reed, Ken Dorsey, that type of leadership. Normally on offense, the leader is always the quarterback. Is De'Ara King that guy that this offense or this team has needed for years now? Do the guys really believe in him and rally behind him and follow his lead? Because he's coming through clutch when they need it the most. Yeah, I think so. And it's really impressive. It's a testament to him that first year at a new program, he's able to take that step and, and, and be that leader. I and mean, you heard guys talking about it uh, right away. Uh, I, I know when they gave him, you know, officially everyone knew it was, he was going to be the starter, but officially at the start of training camp, when they gave him the, uh, the QB one role uh, and announced it and everything, yeah. and guys like Brevin Jordan were just saying, man, I mean, he came in here and he, he took that QB one, you know, he, wow. he wasn't leaving anything, to, you know, up for interpretation. And um, he, he has provided that leadership presence, something that, uh, the offense really needed for sure coming off uh, last year and um, and what you know what a blessing it's been for the Miami Hurricanes to have him be that leader. Of course yeah the portal has been sweet to Miami pickups like himself Jose Borregales uh, which was huge for special teams. Manny is now through a season and a half of his uh, in second year obviously of being a head coach in college football 13 and 8 uh, like we said earlier, this team is learning how to win instead of finding ways to lose. The growth is there, and we just got to keep it chugging along. Miami wasn't favored yesterday, but I'd imagine that they might be <laughs> throughout the rest of their games and see how that plays out. Uh, next week, we hope so against Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah, Georgia Tech. They, they got to be, especially it being at home. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that goes. I don't know. Do you know if there's been a kickoff time announced yet? I don't think it has. Oh, that one is uh, an 8 p.m. game. I think 8 p.m., a night game, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to hear for Kings fans. They've been begging for uh, the blackout uniforms all week long, all season long. Maybe we get to see those Miami Knights um, this coming Saturday, but that's what's next for UM. And uh, that's pretty much it, David. I really appreciate your time coming on and putting, giving us your insight on the Michael McCoy show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mike. No problem, man. Hopefully we get to do it again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we'll be back on the other side of the break. Just keep it locked here. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Circus XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM, 145, Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? 
text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a little more sense. Backwards, not even to get... How do you even, like... Well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to... Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to... It seems like you have to write... It sounds like two, 250 words explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Okay, everyone, thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. We're going to keep it on the college football side of things. And I have another guest, a uh, special guest that I didn't want to tell you guys about yet, but um, able to talk to John Square and shame on you, Canes fans, if you can't remember who that is. Uh, Vital, vital piece of that 2001 national championship winning team, greatest team of all time, played on the defensive line, uh, knows a little thing about defense and how to how to call things on that side of the ball. So we're going to talk to him about yesterday's game. John, nice speaking to you again, man. How you been? How's everything going for you? Everything is going great, Mike. Thanks for having me. And I'm excited to talk about Kane's football. Yes, sir. Let's get right to it because... Miami are they're doing it. Our Canes are doing it, man. And it's good to wake up to seven and one. Um, I want to get right to talking about the defense because depending on who you speak to, uh, they're 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 not fully they're not buying what they see defensively. And I I want to know like how, like why, like why not? Everybody wants to focus on you know the black and white, but sometimes you have to look at the gray area to get the full picture. But the thoughts, I want to get your thoughts on Miami's defense as a whole and what you see, because Blake Baker's been catching a lot of heat. And um, yesterday against the Virginia Tech uh, offensive rushing attack that averaged about 260, I, I want to say, per game, Miami held them to 177 yards below their season average. So everybody wants to focus on the obvious, but when you look at the stat sheet, that, that, that ground game was handled. What are you liking from the defense? What are you seeing so far being a former defensive end? Yeah, I, what, what I like, Mike, is they're able to make plays. And uh, any defensive player knows that you can study film all week. And there is a period of time that 
goes into figuring out what they've tried to do different than what than what you've seen on film. Okay. And so I think part of the issue is 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 making the adjustments fast enough. Okay. Right. So not not letting them go, not letting them score two or three times, uh, you know, and trying to figure from the same play. Yes. Uh, and so part of the other issue too is you have packages and in these packages, you have certain people penciled in. And one of the issues that I noticed that Manny talked about was not having 11 guys the previous week and not having 10 or 11 guys this week. And so now you're penciling in as guys that might not be your best, but they can get the job done. Right. And so where that is a definite stop on third down, now you throw somebody in where they're learning how to, to play in game, right? It's very different than in practice. Right. And so I think that's what you see. But uh, Phillips and and Bubba are, I mean, they are, they're the real deal. Of and course. so you always see them flying around the ball and making plays. Of course. No, yeah. And those two arguably have been, you know, the best players defensively all season long. And remember, we uh, are without Greg Rousseau, who a lot of people would have penciled in as the best defender had he not opted out for this season. So um, I'm glad you brought up Phillips because I wanted to ask you about Phillips and Quincy Roche, the starting defensive ends for Miami, the bookend defensive ends. Quincy Roche, uh, one of the leaders in terms of active sacks in college football. And uh, Jalen Phillips, a former number one overall recruit in 2017. He's living up to that five-star ranking, man. Can you tell me what you see from those guys? Again, you being a former defensive end, what do you like about them? They are very tough and aggressive. Uh, one of the things that uh, they have power, they know how to collapse the pocket. Uh, they're, they're mean, they're aggressive. Yes. The only thing I would say to them is, and coach, I remember one of the games I was watching, uh, you can't get stupid penalties, right? Yeah. Jumping off sides uh, on a third and whatever. Uh, and then one game it turned into Roche it turned into a touchdown. And those types of things, as you get older each game, that can't happen, right? Coaches relying on you uh, to get us out, right? Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things when you play a 4-3 defense, you know, uh, everybody's assigned a gap, right? And right. so somebody's got a one-on-one -on -one and you got to win that one-on-one -on -one yep. matchup to make a play. And they they do that consistently. And so that, that's what's exciting to see about them. I mean, they are – I love seeing them uh, breaking up plays and roughing up the offensive linemen on the other team and the quarterbacks. Absolutely. No. And another guy not playing defensive end this year, uh, Nessa Silvera, he's been coming up big uh, from the tackle spot. He is yes, always in the backfield. And yep. he may not have, you know, these double-digit sacks or everything that looks pretty, but – he's disrupting the offense. As long as you're getting up the field and you're making, you know, that pressure up the middle for a quarterback, that's all you can ask for, you know? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. As a coach, uh, you know, I, I remember Vince Wilfork used to take on a lot of double teams. Yep. So him taking on a double team means that Vilma and DJ are free. And so that's when coach talks about if, the, you know, uh, if somebody's taking on a double team, and even I learned that and taught that as a coach, then you better be flying in there making a play. Yep. And so uh, somebody has to make a sacrifice for the team. So if you hold that double team and you let those linebackers scrape and fly around, then it allows them to make okay. plays. Because sometimes 
they the offensive linemen want a combo block, and sometimes they coming off so that they can pick up the linebacker. But if the linebacker can see it fast enough, uh, and that defensive tackle can hold on to that double team just exactly. a second longer, then you can fly in there and get that play. Exactly. Hard to make tackles on big uh, running backs or even fast running backs when you got a big offensive lineman on you. So you gotta you gotta get rid of them. You got to be clear so you can make plays. Okay, okay. Um, there's two questions that I really wanted to get your opinion on because yep. being a former player and obviously being on the greatest team of all time that we've ever seen, I really want to get your opinion on it. And I think you're going to have a little bit of fun answering these two questions. So um, I'm going to be a little long-winded on this one just because yep. I want to make sure that I get my point across. So Miami's 7-1, and one, right, this season. Okay. They've been getting by unconvincingly at times this season, reminiscent to 2017 when the team finished with 10 regular season wins. Some people feel a win is a win. I'm one of those people. Some people hate ugly wins. As a former player and part of, again, the greatest college football team that anybody has ever seen. I love saying that, by the way, if you can't tell. Um, part of uh, part of college football uh, that, I'm sorry, um, I lost my thought. I lost. My, okay, yes. So, what is the mindset of a team that has been winning how Miami has been the past two weeks? Uh, last minute comeback wins, uh, or doing just enough to get by while stepping up when it matters the most. Does it really matter how you win? Granted, I am asking a guy that really didn't have to go through that because you were on teams that kicked everyone's ass. All right, but games like FSU 2002, Virginia Tech. 2002, winning 56 to 45 in the regular season finale, or Chestnut Hill in 2001 when Mike, Matt, and Ed, they combined to make a play to seal the deal. What is the mind frame of a team that wins like that? Is it, man, we got away with one, or we really need to pick it up, or who cares, we won? The mindset of a team is, hey, we've practiced this, and we expect to win. Uh, you know, right now, what I will tell you is everybody – is struggling to find consistency, mm -hmm. not having the same guys. And to be seven and one is, is a blessing. And I can guarantee you a Miami team and a Miami culture is saying, yeah, we won, but we're behind the scenes, Mike, for the defense and the offensive side of the ball, they have goals that they have to meet every week. Yep. And if they're not meeting those goals internally, you better believe come Sunday and Monday, they're watching film and trying to correct those things. Sure. And, and that's what folks don't understand. There's other people that are 0 and 6. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, you can go and correct those goals and you can have a mindset of, well, man, we still lost. And then it's hard to get people to buy in. Yeah. And so uh, sometimes, and, and as you can remember, the Alabamas of the world, even Clemson, like you got some games that you got, like you, you're praying that your player – uh, players make plays. And I think it was Santana Moss that said, big time players make big yep. time plays. Yep, we sure and, did. And for us, everybody on that team, you, it was just a matter of who was going to make the play, but we knew the play was coming. Okay. okay. So that is the mindset of a championship caliber team uh, and coaches. Because it, let me tell you, I remember we used to beat people by 20, 30 something points. And if we didn't meet those goals, we were running at practice. Wow. I love so so it, it doesn't matter. Like the score is the score as long as yeah. you come out on top. But if we had too many penalties, if they got too many rushing mm -hmm. yards, 
Uh, you know, if, if we didn't run the plays right, if we didn't execute, we, we had to run as a reminder of, right. you know, next week, you can't let this happen. So accountability, something that has been lacking in the program for quite some time. Hopefully Miami's turning the corner in that regard. You're listening, by the way, to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. I'm joined by John Square, number 93, on that 2001 uh, National Championship winning team for the Canes. Uh, with five minutes to go here, so a friend of mine, colleague of mine on stateoftheyou.com, Stefan Shedham, so he tweeted, and I told him he needs to make this an article because it's, it's a good one. He tweeted, who on the current staff, I'm sorry, who on the current uh, roster would be good enough to start on the 2001 team? And I said, you know what, Steph, you just gave me an idea. I got to ask, I got to ask John because he's probably going to get a kick out of that one. There's a few. There's, you know, we just talked about Quincy. We talked about Jalen Phillips. Some people said King would start over Dorsey, and I don't know about that one. Um Borregales is automatic from kicker, but I, I love Todd Seavers. I got to ask you that question because there's yeah. a couple guys that might make an argument. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, so first of all, I'll start with Todd Seavers and Freddie Capshaw. You, you the, those dudes are as mean as linebackers. <laughs> and, and not only do they do what they're supposed to, but I mean, they, yeah, I, I, our kickers are are really good, but uh -huh. those guys, Todd and Freddie Capshaw, are one of the best of the best, awesome. and uh, they're they're not starting over them in my opinion. It's just <laughs> it's just a different mindset. Okay, they'll rip your head off. Oh man, I love to hear that. Okay. Yeah, so um, even making tackles on kickoff, our, our kickoff team. If you don't remember, like we used to lay people out. Like I mean. <laughs> it coach, uh, I mean, we used to get, uh, you know, all types of, uh, you know, we used to have all types of fun in practice, just watching film or just laying people out. Like we're going to lay on both, whether we kick it off or receive it, we're going to lay somebody out. Okay. Uh, and so uh, Jalen Phillips, uh, Jalen Phillips is, is, I think he's an awesome specimen, but the talent that we had with speed, uh, defensive ends running four fives, and and I mean just destroying people. Uh, I think he might be a backup. Uh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> like it, I mean we we in the offensive line, forget it. <laughs> oh no, that was a wall up front. And, and yeah. you know we, I love Derek King. I think Derek King is a very talented quarterback. Uh, being from Houston, I love to see. I, I love watching what he did. Right, uh, Ken Dorsey. Nobody is better than him at studying film and making plays. And his mental toughness was awesome. Just, listen, uh, I remember my first year there. Greg Schiano was a defensive coordinator, and we used to get our butts whipped every day in practice, <laughs> offense. And then we got Randy Shannon, and I mean, we started game planning practice. Like we don't want to lose nothing. Like that's how competitive it was. And so, I say that to say Ken Dorsey is one of a kind, and and that's why he's, you know, the uh, quarterback coach now in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen coach, and he mm -hmm. coached. Uh, um, what's the young man that went to the beer the uh, 
Cam Newton. Cam Newton with the Patriots, yes. But his MVP year, Kenny was his quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. So just a different mindset. Uh, And I think players in uh, in different eras are meant to be, just like if we went back to the early 80s and 90s Kane's teams, you know, it's, uh, you know, and then the receivers, like, I mean, we've, like, our tight ends are really good, but. I mean, Jeremy Shockey and and those guys, I mean, it's just Greg Olson. Like, those guys just made plays. Like, yeah. everybody's expected to make plays. That's true. And so I, I remember Coach used to say, like, if you couldn't do it, then you wouldn't be here. So figure out how to get it done. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's that's motivational. And, I mean, yeah. um, that's what's expected from you when you sign on the dotted line, when you yeah. put that you on the helmet and you go out to Green Tree. We all have heard about – you know, the, the, the great practices and battles at Green Tree and the Saturday, I'm sorry, the Fridays, the Mondays through Fridays are supposed to be tougher than on Saturdays. Oh, so, yeah. All I wore, man. It is, as soon as you step on that field, uh, we're, we're, we're suiting up to whoop somebody's butt. Mm-hmm. Every play, every session, uh, and we're going to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably my favorite part about it, but... Um, that's 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 awesome to hear, man. Uh, John, I wanted to really thank you because uh, I love talking to you, man. You are always quick to support me and, you know, come on whenever I wanted to talk to you. And today was last minute. But um, thanks for coming through again, man. Um, I hope everything is stay safe with you and your family and everything up yep. at George Washington uh, University. Yes, and, sir. Uh, we got to do this again some other time. Yes, sir. We do. I, I uh, Mike, you know. I am where I am because of the support I got from folks and uh, I enjoy your shows. I enjoy the content that you put out and, and you're from the U man. And so <laughs> anytime you can support the U, you know, you do it and you do it in style. So I appreciate you. And same to you, man. Um, all right. So you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll keep in touch, John. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back on the other side of the break. You'll be listening to the, Michael McCoy Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. The dad joke. <laughs> Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. So take a moment to make your kid laugh because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. So that Never one makes a back. little more sense. Backwards, not even to get. How do you even, like, well, hold on. That might be actually difficult to. Para atrás ni para coger impulso. Don't even go back a step, to, even if it's just to go forward. It seems Always like it's a long forward. explanation. Yeah, it's hard it to. It seems like you have to write. It sounds like it's two, 250 words. Explain this sentence. That phrase needs an instruction manual. <laughs> 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 
Good Morning Amigo, weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Yeah. All right, guys, that was fun. Uh, talking college football with uh, David Ferrones and John Square. Thank you for listening to the Michael McCoy Show and sticking around with me throughout that last break. We are going to get into some hoops talk and hardwood, just as promised at the top of the show. And with me to do that is my buddy from actually middle school, Devin Roundtree. Devin, how you doing, man? Riding, riding yourself. No, not bad. Thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate that. And uh, everybody that's familiar with the Michael McCoy show knows about Jordan Nelson. He's a regular on here when it comes to hardwood talk and round ball. You guys know him from the Kane Gang show and the Forza podcast. Jordan, man, how you doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me on again. Not a problem. I've been waiting for this. We're going to have a nice little round table here. I am the lowly Bulls fan in the room. We got a Heat fan and a Jazz fan, so it should be some nice, interesting talk here. And Jordan, man, uh, NBA talk, Devin, NBA talk heating up. Uh, season is starting early. Um, how do you guys feel about uh, pre-Christmas start? I'll ask you first, Jordan. Uh, I'm I'm excited about it. I mean, I, I kind of nerded out and got into like the collective bargaining agreement stuff. Um, from what I understood, like the, the owners kind of had the Players Association in a really uh, – I guess, favorable spot for the owners. Okay. Um, and, and they were threatening to, um, you know, essentially not play a season if it didn't start before Christmas. Wow. And so uh, the Players Association had the wherewithal to, I guess, you know, go ahead. You know, they were they were kind of threatening, like, that's not enough time. You know, we need we need more time to rehab for the season and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, right. yeah, so I'm, I'm happy about it. I, I mean, I feel bad for the players that they're not getting a lot of offseason, but – you know, that's more basketball for us fans, right? <laughs> I hear you. I mean, um, and I'll get to you right now, Dev. I just wanted to interject and say that uh, I just hope there's not going to be any injuries, man. That's my worst fear for everybody because, you know, I, the last thing I want to happen is a couple of years ago, see a team and, and, you know, the Raptors did what they were supposed to do, but to see the injuries happen to Golden State like that, I think I'm not the only one in the room that'll say if the, if the Ducks were healthy, they would have won, you know, the title that year. But – um, and I can't blame Adam Silver for wanting to get the NBA calendar back to, you know, normalcy. But, Devin, how do you feel about the early start? Like you said, like George said, man, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, more more sports is always good. Um, <laughs> I am, uh, like, you know, like you said, man, it, it does suck for, like, LeBron and, and Jimmy Butler and, you know, the Heat Lakers that, that went deep and they don't get their full offseason. But you also got teams – that didn't even make it into the bubble and teams that were sent home early from the bubble. Um, like they haven't played basketball in how many months has it been? I don't even know. But um, so, I mean, yeah, granted, you know, some of those teams, they got, they, it sucks for them, but like Jordan said, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have everybody back and we can, we can watch more sports. Okay. All right. Well, um, with that being said, there have been a lot of rumors, a lot of, uh, Here's here's hearsay. He said, she said, in terms of player movement, we're going to get into some coaching uh, moves. And uh, Jordan, man, you 
have been busy on the trade wire on the trade <laughs> machine so <laughs> let's let's start with with something that you got i guess your hottest uh your hottest scenario of the of the off season that you can think of with in terms of trades man i'm, I'm interested to see what you got well so i mean here's one that that's i guess if you want to go for just hot like this is this is one that i love um and obviously it depends on whether or not um Giannis is willing to sign uh, his super max um you know but if he makes it clear to milwaukee that he's not going to resign i would absolutely love to see a Giannis for james harden trade and and you can pretty much do that straight up um like the bucks throw in eric bledsoe the the rockets throw in pj tucker and the salaries work um but if you think about it that kind of makes sense um it would keep both teams alive and in, in the title hunt um you know harden's under contract for three more years uh, you know, Rockets would kind of be betting on like we were going to blow it up anyway. We might as well see if we can get a title this year with Giannis, right? Um, that kind of thing. Um, but I mean, that's totally unsubstantiated. Um, you know, I've worked on a, a number of, of different Harden trades though, and, and uh, I'm not sure which one makes the most sense yet. Oof. I'm not a big fan of his style of play, but he's definitely one of the most lethal offensive weapons that we've seen in a long time. So, you know, anybody that is hungry for points being scored, great. Um, Devin, man, how do you feel about that? Especially knowing that, you know, maybe Russ and uh, Harden or maybe backing off how they feel about Houston because they're not sure about their future, especially about the hiring of Paul Silas' son. Uh, a first-time head coach. How, how do you feel about what, what Jordan just mentioned? Well, <clears throat> I just don't know if that'll work being what, what Giannis wants to do. Um, being that that team has no bigs, you know, I don't, I don't know what kind of moves they're planning on making. But, I mean, I know he is a big, but they don't have any bigs. They, uh, like, losing Harden, he would have to be basically the offense. So, yeah. It's basically going back into the same situation with Milwaukee. Granted, he had Chris Middleton, um, but you know how I feel about Chris Middleton. I feel like he's a number three. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know if that would benefit him in any other, you know. Yeah. I don't think it'll benefit him at all. He'd just be back in the same position he was in Milwaukee right. with uh, a regular season team. And then when they get to the playoffs, you know, everybody stacked the paint and he's just sitting there getting a second round exit. I, in my heart of hearts, would like to see him stay in Milwaukee because I'm just an old school guy. Uh, you are as well. I mean, all of us, I think we kind of like that idea. But at the yeah. same time, and I think Jordan mentioned this several weeks ago, we were talking, but um, and he mentioned how the Warriors have literally no cap space for anything, <laughs> and they will probably even have to trade uh, their highest pick. Um I would love to see him matched up somehow with Steph and Clay and Draymond. I just, I just something that I think that would be the biggest dream team scenario that we've seen in the regular season. Uh, you know, probably as big as Braun and Wade and Boss teamed up. I think that would be electric. Devin said this. He quoted it perfect uh, years ago. He said that Giannis is to the paint what Steph is to the three-point line, and that's pretty much unstoppable you get Giannis eight feet and in 10 feet and in he's unstoppable Steph is the greatest shooter we've ever seen so that would probably be a lights out scenario um speaking on the dubs Jordan you have anything with them um you know I I really don't because it, it just depends on on how people are going to value this number two pick in the draft 
Um, you know, a lot of people want to try to package that and Andrew Wiggins. Um, I'm kind of biased against those deals because I think Andrew Wiggins kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, to be blunt, I mean, he's, he's a rotation player. Okay. Um, but I mean, who wants to pay him $35 million for the next three years? I can't blame you for this. Um, and, and who really wants to give up anything substantial for that? So, I mean, if his contract was shorter, like if he was on an expiring deal, you know, you could say that it made sense for a team um, like Detroit it's... to give up Blake Griffin. Okay. Um, you know, um, but, but the thing is like contracts like Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, really what those teams are going to look for the value that they can get is a shorter deal. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know what I'm saying? So they'd want to trade three years of Blake Griffin for an expiring deal. So that becomes cap space. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the biggest problem the Warriors are going to have trying to make a deal is, is getting rid of multiple years of Andrew Wiggins. Um, Cause I mean, it almost feels like you'd have to give up the number two pick to convince a team that they want Wiggins in my opinion. Yeah. I don't think Wiggins is a value. I think he's like a salary dump that you would have to be like, you take Wiggins off our hands and you get number two. Um, and that allows us flexibility for other stuff, but then they don't have any other assets. Right. Right. Devin, how does that sound? Cause I know that you are a, a big Steph fan and you like to see the dubs do well. So what's your reaction to what Jordan just said? Well, I'm a Steph fan and Giannis fan. So that would be, that's a dream situation for me. Um, I think, like you said, Andrew Wiggins <laughs> ain't worth $35 million for the next three years. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, it is going to be hard to get him into a deal. But, you know, if Milwaukee feels like, you know, they're going to lose him for nothing. I mean, if you throw Wiggins, Draymond, in and in a number two, I know you don't want to hear Draymond, Mike, but if you throw <laughs> Wiggins, Draymond in there, and that's another thing, Wait, Draymond has a freaking max contract, too, so I don't even know how that would work. But, um. If you could get them to take Draymond and Wiggins, get a third team in there, or just, like you say, I don't know what kind of expiring contracts Milwaukee has, but if you could get those two out of there in the second-round pick and bring in Giannis, and I'm in, I'm all for that. Yeah, yeah. I think Giannis is probably uh, – not probably. It would definitely be some type of or significant upgrade if you were to happen to get Dre out the way. This is all happening. But 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 honestly, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, if I'm Milwaukee, I'm not taking that deal. I'm not taking Wiggins. I'm not taking Draymond <laughs> for Yon. And this is this is a weak draft too, you know, like right. if it was if it was the Kevin Durant and Greg Oden draft, then maybe you yep. could talk me into that with, with the number two pick. But right. yeah. I mean there's there's no prospects in this draft that especially there's not two prospects in this draft that make you think about trading Giannis right I mean the only thing I, I'm kind of intrigued with Wiseman we didn't get enough, we didn't get to see him enough yeah right um but just I, you know and Mike knows I'm not a huge you know college basketball dude but you know with the hype around him um I'm just and I know the league is going away from the big men they need to stretch fours spread stretch fives and stuff like that but I mean if the kid could get out there and be an athletic big and that's what I'm saying with with, the, with Golden State. If they could just bring him in, athletic big, and like Mike always said, Golden State is always miss. They've miss, been missing one thing: it's athleticism. It could be a plus. They might not even need to make no deal. Took the words right out of my mouth. You know, we all saw how they looked like when you added KD, who's clearly the best athlete on that team. I mean, they had Iggy, but Iggy wasn't playing. Uh, you know, Iggy was older. Minutes. He was playing key yeah. minutes, just not starter minutes, and he was not the Iggy of old. He wasn't yeah. that 76er. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, um, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just not tuning in, you're listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. We have a nice little roundtable here talking NBA hoops and trade scenarios and whatnot. Got Jordan Nelson from the Forza Podcast and the Kane Gang Show. And my buddy from a long time, for known him since our middle school days, Devin Roundtree. He knows a thing about Ron Ball, so he's here to contribute to the conversation as well. Jordan, do you have anything on Chris Paul? Um, yeah, Oof. so Chris Paul is one of the interesting things. Uh, he's going to be one of the interesting, like, uh, dominoes to fall this offseason. Um, you know, they've already uh, – I, I think it was Shams dropped an article about, uh, you know, the, the Phoenix Suns being interested in him. Um, that deal would probably look something like uh, Kelly Oubre and Ricky Rubio – and a draft pick for Chris Paul, um, you know, out here in Utah, uh, there's a lot of jazz fans. So let me preface this by saying that we traditionally jazz fans hate Chris Paul, <laughs> you know, and it's just from like, he's good. You know, he had the rivalry with Darren Williams back in the day. Um, and then, you know, played for the Clippers played for the Thunder. Like right. we're always seeing Chris Paul in the playoffs, right. Okay. Played for the Rockets <laughs> and, uh, it, it never goes well for us. And, uh, so anyways, what I'm thinking though is, is, you know, he's, in my opinion, the second worst deal in the NBA right now. Wow. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking that Utah, if they put together a package like Mike Conley and Ed Davis mm. and the 23rd pick in the draft, that uh, I could see the Thunder going for that, man. Mike Conley and Ed Davis are expiring deals. Um, so that's the value for them, right? Is the mm-hmm. fact that, you know, OKC, they, they signed that rust to that horrible contract yep. flipped him for for westbrook which was one year less um but he still has he still has two years on his deal chris paul does and uh conley and davis are both one so i i think that might be enough incentive and that's kind of my favorite trade deal for the jazz this offseason i think that makes us uh title contenders okay you know having chris paul donovan mitchell boyan bogdanovich and mm-hmm. rudy gobert and then uh, a pretty decent bench as well. Yeah. I think that makes us pretty fierce. There are, and I will continue on that thought, but there's a lot of teams that shut me up and are kind of changing the way I look at them. Uh, Jazz being one of them and Denver is the other one. You, you and I talked a lot about Denver uh, in the, in this past playoffs, uh, Jordan. Devin, what's your reaction to what uh, Jordan had to say regarding Chris Paul? How do you feel about him? Like you say, his deal is bad and, um, I mean, honest, that was a good trade, uh, situation scenario that he just put with the Jazz. Um, sending him to, uh, I, honestly, man, is I, I would just stay away from Chris Paul, man. Um, I don't know what if I was a GM, I wouldn't, I mean, the, the guy's good, you see what he did with OKC with, um, you know, with a young squad got him in there, got him really competitive in the playoffs. But like you said, I, that that contract, I'm just too scared to touch it, man, especially with his injury, his injury history. Um, yeah. How old is he? 30, 35. 30, 35, 36. Yeah, wow, man. And, okay. Yeah, he's 35 and two more years on that contract, man. I I would just, I, I couldn't see myself diving into that. I like Chris Paul in the fact that, and look, this is why I have you guys on today because I am not good with the numbers and the finances and all that stuff. I'll leave that talk up to you guys. I'm talking about on the floor, you know, what I see in terms of fit. I like Chris Paul being on a team that he could probably be 
that one last missing piece. Okay. Mm. So he wants to win. Um, and I see him as the best pure point guard in the NBA. Still, I, I that's that's what he is to me. The guy is a floor general. He can hit an open shot. He can take over a game. He's a dog defensively, and he's 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 one of the more brilliant minds. He's an extension of the coach on the floor. I think that he's probably going to want to not be rebuilding. I think that's easy to say. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, a, a team that's right there. And I don't know what, uh, I, I saw a trade scenario about him going to the Lakers. I don't know how real that was or how, uh, probable that is or whatever, what have you, but how are they going to do that? I, I, like I said, I have, I got to find <laughs> I have no idea. And I didn't see it. The, the, there was three different trade scenarios that I saw for the Lakers that had big names going to them. But, um, we'll see if we talk about that on the other side of this break. Got to step inside, step aside, and pay some bills, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, thanks for tuning into the Michael McCoy Show on SiriusXM Channel 145 on Slam Radio. We'll be right back. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show only on SiriusXM 145 Slam Radio. I get it. Your desk has been there for you, holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. 180 over 111 and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. I mean, really, it really apologist. comes down to... I'm going to make an apologist image for you, bro, because uh, everything that I say is, oh, but LeBron had to do this, and if he, if he had to jump over a car. Isn't LeBron's the king? And again, LeBron jump over the Empire State Building? He probably could, but why probably, would he do it? Probably, but why doesn't he jump over the Empire State Building to win a slam dunk contest? Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around with us throughout that last break. You're listening, you're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM channel 145, joined by my buddy Jordan Nelson, Deborah Roundtree, two guys that I really trust in terms of basketball talk. Uh, they know a thing or two about that. We get into it behind the scenes quite a bit, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So we're here talking about it on air. And so over the break, we were talking about a potential trade involving Devin's Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat obviously have been known to make splashes in free agency because Pat Riley has, has a knack for pulling out big deals. So uh, 
there was a tweet that went around a couple of days ago by someone by the name of Vaughn. Let me, I'm pulling it up right now. I should have had it ready. Here you go. At Vaughn, Vin Fosh. <laughs> Vin Fosh NBA. So on the 12th, he tweeted, according to a league source, Bradley Beal will be traded to the Miami Heat when the moratorium ends next week. This gentleman on his Twitter profile says that he broke the Anthony Davis trade, the Bryce Harper signing, the Joe Girardi hiring, so on and so forth. But Devin over the break said that that guy was pretty much throwing darts when it came to Bryce Harper. So who knows how legit this guy is. Devin, Heat fan, tell me how you feel. Man, if we could pull it off, I mean, obviously, well, I wouldn't you want a guy who can put up 30 in your, in your, in your lineup. I just don't know what we would be giving up. You know, I don't want to gut the team with one player um, because obviously they're going to want Tyler Hero or Bam Adebayo. Also, they're going to need some kind of salary to match it up. Um, I know Dragic or whatever has a salary that's, that's, that's up there, so maybe he would be in the deal. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I just would have to know the, the details of, or, you know, who we're giving up because – like I said, I don't, I don't want to gut the squad right. to, to grab, to right. grab a player. I mean, we are we, the Lakers in the finals. They already showed us that we lack size. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if Bam is in that deal, it's like, yeah, I, I don't. We would be in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> took the word out of my mouth, Jordan. What do you got, <laughs> well, how do you feel about that move? Um, so I, I think Devin was right in, in, you know, being worried about what the Heat would have to give up. Um, I think, you know, Steve Ballmer and the Clippers. I'm going to go on a tangent for a sec. Like NBA owners used to love him, right? Because he overpaid for the Clippers and he gave an extra billion dollars of value to every single NBA owner. I mean, we saw three weeks ago, the jazz, my jazz just sold for $1.6 billion. Yep. That's insane. Like five years ago, they were valued at 500 million. Um, And and so that's kind of how the market moves in the NBA, right? One guy overpays, Mm -hmm. it shifts the whole market up. Mm -hmm. And now I think all of them are mad at Balmer because of how bad he overpaid for Paul George last year. <laughs> okay. um, you know, what was it? Five picks, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, yes. um, you know, that type of stuff. Like, but to cut you, sorry, I'm going to cut you off, but to do, you, you got to do that when Kawhi says, listen, get me this guy. I, I agree. You have to do it. I didn't hate it, but what that does is it moves every other superstar in the league into that kind of value. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why I'm, I'm hitting on this point with what Devin said is I think if the Heat are going to pull off a trade for a guy who is a near superstar or a superstar, every deal is going to start with, if not, I mean, I doubt the Heat would trade Bam for anybody right now because he's an incredible prospect. Right. Um, but I think any deal that the Heat are going to make for a guy like Beal um, is going to start with Tyler Hero and yeah. Duncan Robinson and yeah. maybe even Kendrick Nunn and some picks. And I mean, who knows if the Heat want to do that? They have a great squad. They just made a, you know, a finals run. Um, they're competitive, you know. Yeah. So I, I think they'll be trying to add something. Um, but I mean, who knows if they would want to start by giving up, you know, the farm, all of their young prospects besides Bam uh, for a guy like Beal. I don't know. Here's my take on that. I think the Heat are crazy as hell if they make a trade for any wing because that's not a position of need for them. The Heat are probably one of the most interchangeable teams offensively in the NBA, and they win because they play ball pretty much like nobody else in the NBA plays ball. They play ball, and I hate to say this, like the way it's supposed to be played. They move the ball. They always find the open man. They're patient. They have closers. Everybody on that team knows their role, and as sick as my stomach as I'm getting about praising the Heat, that culture thing is real. 
Okay. They all buy into it. Spoh's a great coach. I love him. And um, so, yes, I, I just barfed in my mouth, uh, the resident Bulls <laughs> fan here. So um, that's how they win. They don't need that. We just talked, we just saw how they got gutted in the paint. Uh, you know, even if Bam was healthy, okay, AD was going to get his. Yeah, Bam, you know, he probably would have put up a nicer fight, but their wings, they, you know, Spo is king of, uh, he started this whole positionless basketball thing. I think that's the wrong move. And like you said, they'll be giving up the farm. Tyler Hero is one of the better young players in the league right now coming off of his, you know, rookie season in the NBA. That's crazy. You trade for something that at this point, if you're the Heat, you're probably game planning against teams like the Lakers, teams like the Warriors, because you're thinking you can get out of the East, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. you're game planning for, for, for the Bucks, maybe even. Yeah. Bradley Beal to me is the wrong move to make. Yeah, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. And, and just off the top of my head, one thing that just popped in, I mean, I, I'd probably have to workshop it a little better is, is you know, maybe something like Duncan Robinson for Jared Allen on Brooklyn. Um, huh? You know, he's, he's a name that might get moved and, and that would solve your problem. I mean, I don't, I don't know if the Heat would be interested in that, but that type of thing could be a better deal than giving up multiple prospects for a wing, like you said. Devin, are we yeah, talking about I, 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 I agree with y'all to an extent. You know, um, but we are, you know, all of us are ball fans here. So we all know that you need that guy who could you can give the ball into and say, hey, I need you to go get me a bucket right now. True, true. And Bill is that. I mean, Jimmy did it in the finals last year to my surprise. I didn't think he had it in him to where he could just say, hey, you know, I'm going to take over this game and get it, you know. But you also saw how he looked after that game. He was dead. <laughs> that next game, game what was it? Game game Three. six. Three. He was done. Yeah, yeah. He was. He couldn't even walk. He was yeah. done. Yeah. So I mean, it's always to have. It's always good to have another guy who you could say, look at you know LeBron and Kyrie in Cleveland. Look at uh right now LeBron and AD. LeBron and D Wade. You know, uh, it's always uh Steph and, and uh well Steph KD and Clay. Um. So it's always good to have a guy that you could dump the ball to or give the ball to and say, hey, I need you to go give me a bucket. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, still with all that said, I just don't you know, want to gut the team because then we won't even be in that position where we need him to get a bucket and win a game because we just get dominated because right. we need – the Lakers exposed us in that, in that uh, those first two games of the finals. Okay. Um, and ladies and gentlemen – and by the way, I, I get it, Devin. I get it. I get it. I agree with that. Um, but if you're just not tuning in, listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio, got my buddies Jordan Nelson and Devin Roundtree joining me for some for some hoops talk. Uh, Jordan, you had another trade scenario that you wanted to get off your chest before we talked about some really, really early uh, season predictions. Yeah, yeah. So this is a, you know, I came up with a number of hardened trades. And, and this one actually, I think, probably makes the most sense. Um, you know, and it's just something I did on the trade machine. I'm not you know, saying it's a rumor or anything. Um, but it, it was the Rockets and the 76ers um, as trade partners. Um, the Rockets would receive Ben Simmons, Jair Smith, Matisse uh, Thibel, I, I think how you say his name, and then two first-round picks. I got them sending the Oklahoma City pick that the 76ers own for this uh, 2020 draft and then a 2023 first-round pick from Philly. 
and uh, Philadelphia only getting James Harden for that. So, like I said, you know, the, the bar is raised for what you have to pay for a superstar. Yeah. Yeah. George trade. And so, um, you know, That's I, a lot. yeah, but and Mike, <laughs> we, we talked a little bit, you know, um, I'm not a Ben Simmons guy. I actually think they should have traded him instead of Jimmy. Um, but I don't know. That's how I feel, man. I, I'm not a Ben Simmons guy. Kevin, before you hop on, let me tell you how I feel about that. And granted, I was 100% wrong on this take that I made on my old show back with WVUM a couple of years ago. I felt that the face of the NBA was going to be Ben Simmons over Giannis. Boy, was I wrong. I felt that Ben Simmons, and this is right, that Ben Simmons was a jump shot away from being the next LeBron James, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, even without a jump shot and you know what's coming offensively from Ben Simmons, he's going to drive, he still gets his and you know what's coming. So if he could develop something like that, then he'd be great, right? Okay, cool. With that being said, you guys know how I feel about James Harden. I'm, if I'm feeling about making that trade, I think that their best bet, especially with the new uh, regime on the coaching staff, is to keep Ben and, 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 uh, and Joel Embiid and have them grow together. But the only way Philly's going to be what they should have been throughout this whole process thing is if Joel Embiid is that dude. Not Even with Jimmy there, it, it couldn't have been Jimmy. It couldn't have been Ben. It couldn't have been Tobias. It needed to be Joel Embiid, and it's still that way. I think you don't get rid of Ben. ben I don't think you get rid of Ben Simmons for several reasons. Elite defender, uh, a 6'10 point guard, or maybe if they move him to the four, like they were playing him for a little bit. Okay, great. But how do you feel about that, Devin? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know everybody's down on Ben because he still can't shoot. Um, but I, I do, I think Ben, in a, di- in a different situation, will flourish. Okay. Him and MB just don't seem to work well together. Um, now to the Harden trade for all of that. Um, I just don't think Harden and MB will work. Um, because he's gonna turn MB to a spot up shooter. Because yeah. Harden needs to dribble the ball for twenty seconds and then dish it off to somebody to try to, you know, if he can't get his, then he dishes off somebody to force a shot. Um, and like Mike just said, MB needs to be the guy. And yeah. I, I just don't know what kind of maybe they run a pick and roll, but MB's not as. I mean, the kid, the guy's good, but he's he's not in shape. He can't he play the whole ass court. in the paint. I'll say it for right. You. <laughs> he he yeah. can't run the pick and roll with him. Be like he did with uh wow, I can't even think of the Rockets old center the guy went to the Hawks. There you go. Yeah. He can't do what Capella did. Um, so I just don't see him and MB working. Um, like Jordan said, maybe they trade Ben and, and then try to get something else, you know, in there with Embiid. But Ben and Embiid ain't working, and I don't think Harden and Embiid is working. I don't think Harden and anybody is working, <laughs> to be honest with you. Harden just needs to get a whole bunch of 3 and D guys and just spot them up around the three-point line and let him work. That's the only way it's going to work for him. That guy's a lost cause, man. Um, <laughs> Four minutes, four minutes to go in the segment, fellas. Let's look ahead and give some really, really early, uh, you know, predictions and scenarios that we yep. think are going to happen for this upcoming season. Four minutes left. A little rapid fire here. Um, tell me. Let's start off with, I guess, I don't want to say rookie of the year. The draft hasn't even happened yet. But um, tell me how you think things are going to shake out in the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, uh, comeback player of the year. How do you guys think Zion's going to fare? 
uh, now that he's going to have a full season under his belt. Talk to me. Let's start with you, Devin. Uh, just to go off the last things you just said, uh, I think Zion has a lot of time. I don't know how, you know, I've been on Instagram or anything, see how he's been working out. But hopefully he took this time to get in shape mm-hmm. and get healthy um, because the kid, the sky, you know, <laughs> like well, what did Jordan say? The, the roof, the, I forgot what he said, man. But the sky's the limit with that kid. Uh-huh. Um, the kid's a dog. He, he he don't need to run a play for him. Yeah. He'll still get, he still could get you 20, 20 and 10 without even running a play for him. Um, he showed that he could stroke it a little bit. I mean, you know, he, he he's a better shooter than I thought he was. I didn't say right, he's right. a 35%, 40% free three-point shooter, but he's a better shooter than I thought he was. Um, so I think that kid is 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 sky's the limit, man. Jordan? Yeah, I so I view the the Eastern Conference is pretty static. I think you're gonna get a lot of the same results. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the Heat <laughs> will perform better in uh in in the regular season than they did last year you know i I think the the heat pretty convincingly established themselves as the top dog you know and i'm not really a buyer of houston i mean sorry uh boston or philly um you know i I think the heat is i i like to to separate teams into tiers right and i i have the heat at the very top alone in the top tier of the east and then you know kind of boston toronto philly in tier two um, in the, the West, the Bulls. <laughs> I, I, I never make it that far down the standings, man. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, in in the Western Conference, I have, uh, you know, the Clippers were a big disappointment, man. Like, I, they're kind of a wild card. Like, if they can put it together, they have the talent to compete for a title. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you feel about Luke? I hate it. Jordan, go ahead. About Luca, I know you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> about, 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 about Tyrone Lue. Oh, oh yeah, that hire. Um, meh. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was very, it was very you okay. It, you don't think it's gonna gonna make? You don't think it'll it'll get him to the next step? Or you just no, think it's? I don't. I don't necessarily think it was bad. I just don't think it was good. Like, I mean, maybe right. maybe he can manage the personality better exactly. than Doc did, but. I mean, to me, that's like not even headline worthy. It's like no, but... it's no. There were better options to me. And to me, he's a better manager of egos. Okay, I mean, yeah. for Christ's sakes, he had LeBron, Kyrie to deal with, and whoever else. Well, pretty much those two, because love didn't count in, ter- in terms of an ego uh, over in Cleveland. But I mean, I, and I don't hate Lou. I don't have anything against him. But to me, he didn't. You know, there's really nothing going on. And I'm sorry to put it. Uh, uh, give you 30 seconds of this, Jordan, but um, or a minute. But go ahead and finish your thought. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, I, I think Denver and Utah and uh, the Mavericks are the teams whose stock is rising. Um, you know, the, yes. the Jazz took the Clippers, or I mean, the Jazz played the Nuggets the same way the Clippers did, and they were down Boyan Bogdanovich. So mm-hmm. a healthy Jazz team, they might have beat the Nuggets, and who knows what they would have done against the Clippers. So, um, you know, and then Luka is the face of the NBA in the future. Like, I can't say enough about him. So He is, man. I, to me, for my money, he's the most talented player in the NBA I think he's just he's got it all uh a mixed bag he's got it all and so uh Murray shut my ass up right me too man big time me too and so Denver and they're gonna get better they're gonna get better with Porter and we'll see how Bull Bull comes into the mix but I hate to say that we're out of time we got to do this again for sure 
because I like talking to both of you guys. I think we we, we, oh. we done something. But um, thanks for coming on, Jordan, Devin. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, man. All right, man. Um, ladies and gentlemen, just stick around with me over this next break, and we'll be right back on the Michael McCoy Show uh, on Sirius XM Channel 145, Slam Radio. You're listening to the Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. But maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. We'll be back with The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up two nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't. You I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on two nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongo Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuel Apollo? Tunga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuel Apollo? Tunga Vailoa. Tua nigga Manuel Apollo? Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. I couldn't speak or walk. This is high blood pressure. Get back on your plan. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, all right, all right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for sticking around with me throughout that last break. You're still listening to the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Got through talking some NBA ball, a lot of NBA ball, actually, with my boys, um, Jordan Nelson and Devin Roundtree. You know, Devin for a long time. And Jordan, you guys know our relationship, uh, you know, through Forza podcast and uh, the Kane Gang show, knows his stuff about hoops. And thank you very much, gentlemen. Had a good time talking about that. We got to do it again. The draft is next week. So um, I have a feeling that we'll be dissecting that uh, with next week's show. So um, before heading into some NFL talk, because as promised, got to do that, uh, I failed to mention the NCAA rankings, the college football rankings when I was talking about college football to start the show. And I want to bring them up because it is going to be something that has me a little bit perturbed, okay, Uh, very annoyed. It's nothing new, but it's just another of the dozens and maybe at this point hundreds of, of examples that shows that Miami bias is real, ladies and gentlemen, it is. Uh, there is a bias towards the University of Miami football program, and it's it's downright ridiculous. It's getting to be disgusting, and it's to the point that it's not even funny anymore because of the simple fact that it, it needs to be addressed. This conversation needs to be had, and I mean, why? Just tell me why, and I can give you example after example after example as to how this is a bunch of crock of crap, all right? So rankings come out Sunday, 
after Miami wins a game on the road versus an ACC rival, a longtime rival, a rival that goes back to the 1990s when Frank Beamer was coaching at Virginia Tech. Uh, the Canes win a game again on the road, okay, as uh, underdogs, all right? They win by one point, 25 to 24, right? Win the game, and uh, they entered the, the week either ninth or 10th in the rankings. I can't remember. They were top 10 for sure. Oh, they were ninth. They were ninth in the AP poll and in the coaches poll. They drop after winning a game on the road as underdogs to an ACC foe. They drop to number 12 outside of the top 10, okay? And teams like Indiana, Wisconsin, and Oregon beat them, all right? Wow. Indiana with four wins because the Big Ten started late. Uh, Wisconsin with two wins. They jumped three spots. Oregon with two wins. Okay. Miami drops. They get penalized because they beat a Virginia Tech team that everybody was actually hyping up. Did people forget about that? Did people forget about the fact that Virginia Tech was being hyped up um, all offseason long, along with North Carolina as teams to look out for in the ACC to challenge to possibly challenge Clemson, all of a sudden that just goes by the wayside, right? Because Miami looks in their eyes, they look bad in a win, right? You want to know what pisses me off about this? Is that if this was Ohio State, if this was Alabama, if this was Clemson, if this was Notre Dame, okay, it's a gutsy win. It's a tough win. It's a gritty win. And they deserve credit for finding a way to win, sticking it out trusting in each other, coaches, systems, adjusting, all of that garbage. But because Miami bias is real, you drop out of the top 10. And people say, you know, just win games, it'll take care of itself. To hell with that. I'm tired of that. Because when is it going to change? It's about time that something is done. I don't know what can be done. That's not my job. It's just my job to sit here and and, and complain about it, really. But um, and bring it to the forefront as much as I can. But it's just, it's probably never going to change, but I would like for some attention to be drawn to because it's worth it. And on the other end of, this, uh, of the spectrum, you have a Notre Dame bias, which is absolutely ludicrous. I went on a rant about that a couple of weeks ago, how, and I'm going to make a really long story short here. Notre Dame looks putrid, okay, at home in a win against Louisville, right? A game that, that, that <laughs> it was a, what was it, 12-6 or a 12-9 win, a game in which the same type of win that Miami just had on Saturday versus Virginia Tech on the road. They called it a, an ugly win for Miami. This was a tough, gritty win for Notre Dame against, you know, a Louisville team, whatever, whatever, whatever. Notre Dame jumps up to number three after being the number four team. Granted, I know that Georgia lost that week to Alabama, so naturally they got to move down, right? But I say hell no to that. Why? Because in 2005, when Notre Dame hosted a number one USC team featuring Reggie Bush, Lindell White, Matt Leiner, so on and so forth, USC was ranked number one, uh, undefeated. Notre Dame had one loss. I believe they were ranked ninth in the nation. They lose a game in which they should have won. Okay. One of the greatest games I've ever seen in college football. They lose that game by the final tally. Uh, it was a score. It was a touchdown. It was the Bush push game. They lose that game. And because they look so good in a loss, they did not budge from the rankings the next day when rankings came out on Sunday. They stayed put at night. And you want to know what? 
I agreed with it. It's something that should have absolutely stayed that way because that was one great game. Again, one of the greatest games I've ever seen as a college football fan. I remember that. And uh, they looked really, really good. They deserved to win, but they did it. Now, naturally, you drop after a loss, even if it's by one spot, okay, to the number one team because, I mean, you lost. Maybe the team behind you won. They didn't. They stayed pat. And again, that's something that I didn't have a problem with because if you watched the game, you said, damn, Notre Dame might be working with something. I think that was maybe year one of Charlie Weiss, but it's, it's this Miami bias. It's really bugging the hell out of me. All right. I don't know what can be done. Uh, 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 Blake James needs to do something about it. Okay. Uh, and like I said, maybe nothing at the end will be actually uh, corrected, but it just needs to be brought to the forefront that, hey, you guys are full of it. We know about it, and we just want it to be a national story. Whether it changes or not, we want people to know that this is real, okay? And I, I just, I wish that something would be done about that because it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. But finally, halfway through the segment, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and switch gears to some NFL football talking. Wow, man. Um, as always, every week on the Michael McCoy Show, we are going to, uh, talk about the Bucks and the Patriots because at the beginning of the season, I felt that the most intriguing storyline going into this NFL COVID year was Brady versus Belichick. How are they going to fare without one another? So we'll get into the Bucks game. We'll get into the Pats game. But oh my God, how about the game of the day yesterday? We got to talk about Kyler Murray uh, going berserk on that last play of the game. Uh, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Card and the, of the Arizona Cardinals. Sorry completes the NFL's first go-ahead Hail Mary in the fourth quarter since Aaron Rodgers did it in 2015 to beat Detroit, okay, uh, with a, uh, what was it? It was a 61-yard pass to defeat the Buffalo Bills yesterday that Kyler Murray completed at the end of the game in an absolute thriller, okay? And when I say thriller, I, I mean that because it was a game-winning touchdown. The Bills win 32-30, to all right. It was the only points that they scored in the fourth quarter. The cards are now six and three, three and two at home and the bills lose a game. They fall to seven and three, three and two on the road. Kyler Murray finishes the game with, uh, where is it? 22 of 32 for 245 yards, a touchdown. That last pass of the game was the only touchdown for him and an interception. I had DeAndre Hopkins in fantasy. So that boded well for me. Uh, seven catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown for him. Josh Allen looked decent. Uh, it's just crazy that he was the leading rusher <laughs> for the Bills. And by that leading rusher, I mean seven carries to the tune of 38 yards. Wow. Um, Zach Moss didn't look very hot. Singletary didn't look very hot. They didn't even get that many carries. But Josh Allen did go 32 of 49 for 284 yards, two interceptions, and two touchdowns. Kyler Murray scrambles out to his he drops back scrambles to his left right-handed quarterback has to square up takes the hit launches the ball from about just past the 50 yard line and deandre hopkins all hands all vert all world all everything wide receiver snatches the ball from about three or four buffalo bills defenders comes down with it that's all she wrote crazy that is it insane insane finishing if you didn't see the replay, I think that you should maybe pull it up really quick on, on YouTube because it's it, it's worth watching. But um, I just wanted to reference the last time that we saw an NFL Hail Mary uh, be completed. 
you know, like I said, it was Aaron Rodgers last time it happened. But if you guys remember correctly, he did it twice in that season. He did it two times in that season, once in the regular season and once in the playoffs. So let's talk about that real quick, just to refresh your memory. So he did it. Let me go back here because I have it pulled up. He did it week 13 versus the Lions, December 3rd, 2015. All right. You remember that one? Um, of all hell, of all of Rogers Hail Marys, that's probably the one that gets the nickname uh, Hail Rogers, I think they call that, uh, or, or Miracle in Motown, if you prefer, or the Motor City Miracle, whatever it is. They, um, he completed that pass, scrambling to his right. And, you know, the, the, the Lions had that game won, obviously. He completes that one, pack win. Then in the playoffs that same year, the 2016 playoffs, it happened against the Cardinals, okay? Uh, we're talking about the Cardinals completing one that happened against them January 16, 2016. And so uh, uh, it happened then. And then he did it a third time. He did it a third time in the playoffs against the Giants. I believe this completion was right before the half. He threw a Hail Mary against the Giants. This is the year, uh, let me see. Did the Giants win a Super Bowl this? No, they didn't win a Super Bowl that year. Did they? I can't remember. No, 2017, the Giants did absolutely did not win the Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, this one was the wild card round in January 8th, 2017. And actually, I think it was a Super Bowl. I can't remember. I don't know. I don't recall the Giants winning the Super Bowl three years ago, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. But it happened then. Whatever. Just disregard what I just said about the Giants winning the Super Bowl. Point is, Aaron Rodgers has thrown three Hail Mary completions in his career. And that's that's actually probably never going to happen again. I don't know. We've I, I've never seen that, never heard of it happening to a guy three times. But um that was probably the game of the game of the day yesterday. And um I just needed to bring that up because it was an amazing play to end the game. And um, I want to move on to talk about the New England Patriots beating the Baltimore Ravens. Many called that an upset. And I say, why? I don't get that. It's why? Because New England has a losing record. Have you been paying, have you been paying attention to New England's season? Okay. Cam Newton misses a game or two with COVID. Um, they absolutely lost a couple games when they should have really, really won. Uh, but that game yesterday at Foxborough, it was rainy, it was nasty, horrible weather, the type of setting that favors the Ravens run game. But no, um, their leading rusher was Lamar Jackson with 55 yards. Okay, this game was absolutely won by Bill Belichick. And how many times have we said that over the years? You know, the trend continued yesterday. He came out and uh, said just a few weeks ago, that they simply don't have the guys like they used to. But I mean, in my estimation, that's no excuse for losing. You know, you you work with what you have. Okay, absolutely, you need talent to win, but that's not the end all when it comes to winning or losing a game in any sport. Um, they won that game yesterday because they schemed well. And as Rex Ryan phrased it earlier today on Get Up uh, with Dan Orlovsky and Greeny, Mike, Mike Greenberg, um, there was no great passing game throwing the ball down the field. I mean, Jacoby Myers was actually the only one that threw the ball down the field, but they used a creative run game, much like the, the Ravens have been doing ever since the arrival of Lamar Jackson. And they knew Baltimore was going to go heavy on man coverage. So they said, hey, we'll go with a ton of outside runs. You know, they use tosses and things like that to get numbers in their favor. All right. Um, that's how Rex Ryan saw the game. Uh, 
QB runs with Cam Newton, of course, always help their cause. So they use that. They've been using that all year. Cam Newton has a bunch of touchdown runs on the ground. Um, and the Pats, they're now, I'm sorry, not there now, but they move on. They beat the six, the, the now six and three Ravens. Okay. The Ravens dropped to six and three and the Pats are now four and five. For some reason, people think they can't make the playoffs and I don't get it. It's too early to absolutely count them out of the playoffs. Again, I think people are absolutely knee jerking and are suffering from recency bias. That is one hell of a drug. Okay. And, um, it's not over. They're four and five. There's still plenty of time left. You never know what's going to happen with COVID in a COVID year, uh, guys sitting out, whatever the case is. But listen, of the last five New England losses, okay, um, I'm sorry, of the five New England losses, one was maybe to the best team in the NFC at Seattle on the goal line on the final play of the game. Okay, they couldn't stuff it in with a quarterback keeper by Cam Newton. The other was to the Super Bowl champions. Oh, excuse me for losing to a juggernaut team, one of the best offenses we've seen in NFL history. All right. They played poorly in a six-point loss to the Broncos, which was Cam Newton's first game back from COVID. Okay. And obviously COVID affected how they practiced and things like that. Uh, and then they gave Buffalo a win. They really did, as they were marching, literally marching down the field in commanding fashion to tie the game. Not saying they would have won it, okay, because you still got to kick the field goal to make it, but uh, I'm sorry, to send it to overtime, but, uh, you know, you never know which game, which way that game goes. If Newton doesn't uh, have his mishap towards the end of the game there in regulation, but uh, Cam fumbled it away on that last drive versus Buffalo, and um, that's a team that, you know, they, they, they should have beaten and a team that's surprising many, a team that everybody's picking now to, to pretty much win the division, all right? They almost beat that team. Buffalo got lucky, absolutely got lucky in that game. And um, I don't know, I'm just not counting New England out. This is a team that beat a 6-3 and three Miami team, okay? They, like he said, like I said, can't miss a couple of games due to COVID. And uh, like I said, they have wins with, against the 6-3 Ravens, the 6-3 Dolphins. We got to talk about them because they're, uh, they're looking good. Five-game winning streak. Tua Tungabailoa is looking good, uh, leading an offense. Not leading an offense, but managing an offense. People say they don't have the talent to make the playoffs. I'm talking about the Pats now. And to that, I say uh, they were hardly the more talented team in many of their Super Bowl victories. So that notion, to me, is flawed, okay? You look at their schedule, a lot of winnable games, all right? A lot of team, a lot of games that you could say, okay, well, this is a game they may, may lose, but I'm not counting them out at all. I think that it's an absolute nut job for anybody for them, uh, anybody considering them out of the playoffs 100%. But uh, I'm at the end of the segment here. I'm going to come back for the final segment of the show. We'll compare Brady and Belichick then. And just keep it locked. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM, Channel 145, Slam Radio. You're listening to The Michael McCoy Show, only on Sirius XM, 145, Slam Radio. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. I get it. Your desk has been there for you. Holding up your computer, your unused stapler, and that plant you forgot to water. 
but maybe it's time to leave your desk and spend your lunch break volunteering with Meals on Wheels. Doing Meals on Wheels for me is the joy that I look for at the end of my week. I'll come to the door with one meal and I'll walk away with a full heart. Drop off a warm meal and get more than you expect. Volunteer at americaletsdolunch.org. That's americaletsdolunch.org. Brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us. You and I. Well, you, got the, you forgot that. Just the two of us. Oh, the two of us. We're building castles in the sky. Just the two of us. Go. You and I. There you go. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. And now we're back with the Michael McCoy Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Okay, guys, this is it. Final segment of the show. Thank you for sticking around with me throughout this entire show. It's been a good one. Talk with John Square, uh, former defensive end, national championship winning defensive end on that 2001 team uh, for the University of Miami. David Ferronis of the Sun Sentinel helped break, uh, helped break down uh, Miami's game against Virginia Tech. Had some roundtable hoops talk with my buddies, Jordan Nelson and Devin Browntree. And uh, I'm just capping out the show here talking about some NFL football that took place yesterday. We still have a game today, obviously, to complete the week. Uh, Monday Night Football, that game being, I believe it's the Bears, if I'm not mistaken. The Bears are playing somebody. The Bears are playing. Let me put up the schedule really, really quick. I apologize for that. But the Bears are playing tonight against the Vikings. Vikings travel to Soldier Field. That game will kick off at 8.15 Eastern Standard Time. Bears five and four, the Vikings three and five. So that's going to be an NFC North matchup. Uh, let's talk some Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs explode over a Carolina team that has been having some defensive issues for a while. All right. Beating them to the tune of 46 to 23. All right. Teddy Bridgewater exited the game with a knee injury and God, I hope he's okay. I really uh, I'm a fan of that guy, man. I really root hard for him. And how could you not, after that gruesome uh, career-threatening knee injury he had a couple years ago in the offseason as a member of the Minnesota Vikings, that's not what made me a fan of him. Honestly, what made me a fan of him, even though he's a Louisville Cardinal that shredded my Miami Hurricanes in a bowl victory uh, in his last year playing college football, he's a Miami guy, Miami Northwestern quarterback, Absolutely would have came to Miami had Randy Shannon kept his uh, role as head coach, but that's here nor there. But uh, it's hard not to root for a hometown guy doing his thing uh, at the highest level of competition. So I hope he's okay. I believe there's an MRI that's going to be taking place today, so we'll see how his knee is. It is the opposite knee from that uh, knee injury he had a couple years ago. So that is the positive side of things. But... uh, Rob Gronkowski continues to rise from the dead after being pretty much the biggest decoy, in my opinion, in the NFL <laughs> uh, for the first couple of weeks of the season. 
caught a touchdown yesterday going uh, for 51 yards on two receptions and obviously that touchdown. Um, on the season, okay, he's been targeted 49 times, has caught the ball 29 times for 374 yards and four touchdowns, all right? The thing with that is, guys, if you haven't been paying attention, and the reason I was calling him a decoy, I don't know, obviously I'm exaggerating, but um, I mean, you're paying attention to the Bucks season, you think, well, what the hell was he brought in for this whole time? Because, uh, yeah, he's been targeted 49 times to this point, but he caught his first touchdown pass in their fifth game, okay? He caught their, I'm sorry, their sixth game. I take that back. And since then, he's caught four touchdowns in five games. So I don't know if this is a master plan by the Bucks and Bruce Aarons to say, hey, uh, you kind of forgot about this duo here, Brady to Gronk. You know, this is like an all-time duo. Um, or who knows if there was an injury nobody talked about or simply just Gronk getting his feet back wet. I mean, the guy hadn't played football for a while, getting used to a new system. They have weapons all over the place. Uh, recently added Antonio Brown. Their run game looked good yesterday. And I mean, like I said, now they have Antonio Brown. So there's a, a plethora of receiving options for the Bucks. Okay, I get that. But still Gronk and, and Brady, that combo, I think it's going to prove to be big for them. But uh, I still like Seattle a lot in the NFC, despite them losing to the Rams yesterday. I do. Um, I just, I, I, I've seen enough of Cam... I'm sorry, Russell Wilson, to uh, to just put them out of anything. They are now six and three. The uh, the Seahawks are after losing to the Rams, who are also six and three, atop the NFC West, who's probably the toughest division in football. All right, um, but that run game yesterday for the Bucks went off. They absolutely went off. Ronald Jones, uh, 98 yard touchdown run. He finishes the game 23 carries, 192 yards. This is a guy, ladies and gentlemen, that I drafted in my fantasy football league and dropped him after like the second week because I hit the panic button and I knee jerked something that I tell people not to do all the time, but I absolutely suffered from it. And um, he, yeah, as long as this run game for the Bucks continues, all right. And, and, and Ronald Jones continues to make uh, Leonard Fournette seem like the greatest insurance policy ever, an afterthought, because everybody and their mother absolutely thought that Leonard Fournette was going to take over the running game for the Bucks. I wasn't one of those people. I thought that he would just be an addition, okay? And maybe the Bucks kind of resemble the New England backfield in which they have, like, so many guys out of the backfield catching the ball not sitting here saying that Leonard Fournette was going to be a receiving threat out of the backfield. That's not what I thought. I just thought that it was going to be another guy to that, uh, to that rushing attack. You know, they still got LaShawn McCoy, even though he's, you know, barely uh, utilized, but Ronald Jones, man, uh, 23 carries 192 yards yesterday. If the bucks continue to add on or duplicate to what they did yesterday with the rushing game, then, you know, watch out, okay? This is a team that hosts the Super Bowl this year, guys. Don't know how many people are going to be there <laughs> in a COVID year, but still, um, let's look at, take a look at that box score really quick because I do have that pulled up. So Brady goes off for um, 341 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, QBR of 91. 
And he did that on 28 of 39 passing. Talked about Ronald Jones. The leading receiver yesterday was Chris Godwin. That's another weapon that uh, Brady has at his disposal, along with Cameron Brait. I mean, Mike Evans, all right? Chris Godwin finishes with 92 yards on six catches, no touchdowns. Mike Evans, one touchdown on 77 yards, six catches. Talked about Antonio Brown briefly, but he did have seven catches for 69 yards. Uh, talked about Gronk. Cameron Brait did collect a, uh, a score on three catches for 31 yards. And so that machine is going to keep rolling. All right. Um, what else do I have to talk about here? Oh, wow. I, I, I bring this up just because I think it's funny. Um, but the Eagles lose to the Giants yesterday and the Eagles still lead a division. My God, what a what a poop stain the NFC East is to the NFL. I mean, that's just how I, I'm going to go ahead and bring up the standings really quick. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. But anybody that follows the NFL knows that the NFC least is absolutely uh, just a joke. All right. Uh, like I said, the Eagles still are atop that division with a record of three, five and one. Yes, they do have a tie. Yes, they only have three wins. Yes, they look like hot garbage. And the three and seven Giants are in second place. <laughs> go figure. Uh, the Giants are now all of a sudden, you know, on a two-game winning streak, which is crazy. Everybody else in this division is either on a losing streak of two games like the Redskins or a losing streak of four games like the Cowboys. Both of those teams are two and seven. But uh, the Eagles, like I said, they're still a top three, five, and one. Holy crap. But um, just to go back to, because I kind of sidetracked, this Brady versus Belichick argument or not argument, but storyline. And by the way, you're listening to the Michael McCoy show on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio in the final segment. Just got a few more minutes to go. And um, everybody wanted to talk about how they fared, you know, how they're going to fare going into the season without each other, blah, blah, blah. Who needs each other more? I was quoted as saying, I was on the record as saying to start the season that uh, Brady needs Belichick more than Belichick needs Brady. And for several reasons, I stated that. And I think Belichick is looking better than Brady is right now. I know Brady is seven and three. Okay. I know Brady is looking great. I get it. Belichick is four and five. Okay. And like I said, with games, with losses to uh, 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 the Super Bowl champs, the defending Super Bowl champs, sorry for losing to, to those guys. Okay. They have five losses, three of them could have very well have gone the other way. Those three being the loss of the Chiefs, like I mentioned. The loss at Seattle was, whew, that was tough because they came literally on the final play, all right, in the fourth quarter of the game, uh, a Cam Newton keeper, quarterback keeper to the left, and, you know, they didn't punch it in. Seattle stepped up, they made a play, and, you know, you, you lose that game by one score. And then, you know, the Bills game, we talked about how if they – didn't suffer a Cam Newton fumble at the end there in which Buffalo recovered. Uh, you know, you still got to make the kick to send it into overtime, but you never know how that goes. And then they lose a really, really weird game to the Broncos. This was Cam Newton's first game back from missing uh, time from COVID, missing time with COVID. He was diagnosed. You know, that messes up everything. That messes up, uh, you know, timing and practice and all that stuff, especially if you're a struggling team that doesn't have the talent that Bill Belichick says that they need to win. So um, this team is four and five. And I think that Belichick 
is far from done. They are by no means out of the playoff race in that division. Uh, they're sitting at third right now. The Dolphins are six and three. The Buffalo Bills are seven and three. And the New England Patriots schedule uh, is as follows. They still have, they go, to, they go to Houston. That's a winnable game. They host the Cardinals, okay? Uh, they go to San Diego. They go to the Rams. They go to Miami. All of those games are consecutive away games. And then they close out the season at home versus the Bills and the Jets. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. Uh, I can see them winning close to 10 games, okay? They have four wins right now. One, two, three, four, five, six. They got six left, okay? I'm sorry, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They have seven games left, and they have four wins on the season. This is not over by any means for that team. This season's not over. I think Bill Belichick is doing a masterful job, okay, despite what – and mind you, Cam Newton hasn't been playing his best ball, okay? If he, you know, turns it around even just a little bit, okay, uh, you're working with something, New England. You're working with something. On the other side of things, this is no slander – uh, on Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination when I say that Bill Belichick is having a better year. But with when, when you consider with what Bill Belichick has to work with and that four and five, and of those five losses, they could have they could have won three of them and have seven wins on a season as opposed to four. Uh, hell yeah, I think he's outdoing Brady right now. Who Brady, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, they kind of had to find their way in the beginning of the season. They lose at the Saints, all right? They win three in a row, and then they lose at the Bears. But by by ne never at one point in this season did they face, you know, quote-unquote adversity, okay? Uh, they never have they, – they haven't gone on a losing streak. After every loss, they won three games in a row, all right? They did get swept by the Saints, but they're seven and three. They just picked up Antonio Brown, okay? They got Leonard Fournette backing up, okay, uh, Ronald Jones, they have Rob Gronkowski. They have weapons, and their defense is playing lights out, okay? Their defense is playing great. So their schedule as follows. Like I said, they already got swept by the Saints. But they, they, they host the Rams. They play the Chiefs, in which could be a Super Bowl preview. Who knows, all right? They got the Vikings at home. They go to Atlanta in Detroit on consecutive weeks. And then they close out the season at home versus the Falcons. They play the Falcons twice in their final three weeks. So that, look... Um, Brady knew what he was doing when he was going to, to sign with Tampa Bay, all right, a team that's hosting a Super Bowl this year. What's on his mind, obviously, is hosting a Super Bowl, playing a team, playing on a team that's hosting a Super Bowl. Goes to a team that was missing a quarterback, all right. Uh, he probably already knew all along that Gronk was going to come along for the ride. A team that already has weapons, uh, a coach in Bruce Arians that is an offensive mind. Um, that team was set. Brady knew what he was doing. That defense, you know, was legit already. And uh, the end result is seven and three. So I think, uh, like I said, no, no, no slander to him. He's just had it much easier. And I don't think this is an argument at all than Bill Belichick has had it this season with, you know, Camp Newton missing time, COVID, four and five. And he's just piecing things together. Like I said, he's done it his entire career and never – I don't think it was an overwhelming, yeah, they're way better than the opposition in any of their Super Bowl wins, okay? In any of their Super Bowl wins, they're absolutely better coach. But in terms of talent, uh, Bill Belichick has turned 
turds into diamonds throughout his entire career. But um, we're pretty much running out of time here this week on the Michael McCoy Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you tuning in and listening. Had some really awesome guests, and I am excited for next week's show because it's going to be an interview you don't want to miss. So stay tuned with that. And um, everybody, you stay safe. We're in November, okay? Please keep wearing a mask. Numbers are going up. And uh, I get on this radio show, uh, you know, and I love doing it. But uh, my other job is I'm a contact tracer for COVID-19. And I see a lot of things. And I hear a lot of things. And just be safe out there because we're not in the clear. Things are not getting better. And so despite what you, you know, what people tell you, just follow guidelines, please. Let's get out of this. Let's let's have holidays. Let's have birthdays. Let's have graduations. Let's, let's do all of that um, without having to wear a mask eventually, right? That's what we want to get back to. So uh, that's my TED talk for the day. <laughs> and um, love you guys. Appreciate your support. Keep it locked uh, throughout the Michael McCoy Show next week. And stay safe, everybody. Have a great Monday. The views and opinions expressed on The Michael McCoy Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.